Hey guys, before we jump in, I want to invite you to follow me on socials. You can follow me on Twitter at what I will say pod, on Instagram at what I will say, also on TikTok at what I will say, and of course, what I will say.tumblr.com will take you to my blog where you can keep up with my day to day pop culture takes. If you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon. Just search what I will say to access hours upon hours of bonus content, our secret community Discord, and so much more. Or if the Patreon is not for you, you can give us a five star rating and a good review, or even just tell a friend about the show. All of those things help us out a lot. Thanks, guys. Enjoy the show. Welcome back, everyone, to Swift Run Nation. I'm here with Kara. Hello. And we're going to do our due diligence, our due diligence Swifty homework. And um, because I do think we're contractually obligated to review all of the re-recorded albums that come out, and Fearless just came out. So we are going to review it. I have, I've written out notes. I have thoughts on everything. It's everything from will comments on if this song sounds different and if we like it better than the old one or not, we'll, I have some quotes from Taylor that she's recently given interviews about the songs and what inspired them and that kind of stuff and who she wrote them with. I have a bunch of personal little anecdotes that tie back to like my history with these songs and what I've always thought of them. And, um, you know, we're just going to like review the album. We're going to review the re-record. Like, is it new? Is it better? But we're also, I just want to talk about fearless as an album. We've never like gone track by track through every album. So, we're going to do that for you guys. Kara, do you have any like overall thoughts about Fearless? Does it remind you of a time in your life? Does it anything? No, I was not a Taylor fan, particularly when Fearless came out, like 2008, I think it was right. Um, I wasn't really a fan. I didn't like Love Story because it played too much on the radio. And I didn't really know all the songs, but like I didn't, I wasn't like a hater. I was just kind of like very neutral. So I never actually listened to the full album or anything, but Fearless is actually my least favorite album, I think, of all of them. Um, like even including debut. I, yeah, it's not my favorite album. I mean, it's good. I like it. I like all her albums, but it's not my favorite. It's probably ranked last. You know what? It, that might be honestly this. I think I might like Fearless a bit more than debut. But only just. Debut I think they're kind so of. Debut has so many bangers. <laughs> huh? Debut has so many bangers. Like they like, she's so angry in country, and it's like funny. Well, sure. I mean, like I said, they rank close for me. I'm not sure which yeah. would be. But um, I do want to say, like, I do have some criticisms. Like, I hate to say this; it makes me feel like a bad Swifty. But like, I'm not rolling really a Swifty, right? I'm Kaylor, so that's a whole different thing. I I kind of do have some like criticisms, but. And as a whole, very happy for Taylor, very proud of her. Overall, have positive vibes about this whole thing that she's taking her work back. She's reclaiming what's hers. I'm all for it. So happy for her in that regard. And also for every single track, her vocals sound like technically better. Her voice has improved by eons. And so like, I'm not going to say that every track. Oh, her vocals sound better because it literally is every track. Her vocals sound more proficient, like from a technical standpoint. She sounds great. Um, Her voice does. So like that kind of kind of disclaiming like I ha- I have some critiques like I have negatives a strong word for it but like I'm not just gonna be like on Taylor's dick this whole episode you know like it's like some some like hardcore Swifties might be I'm just not I'm very proud of her I'm very happy for her but you know I don't know who's listening to this but I don't I'm not trying to be like negative but we are you know kind of just gonna offer I guess a round round of a holistic view and that includes like you know just some thoughts that might be kind of critical slightly but um fearless does remind me of like specific time in my life and like i don't have any like 
the album doesn't really stand out to me as like a whole message or a whole journey or anything. It doesn't, it didn't really relate to much going on in my life the way say 1989 did when it came out. But like, I was a fan of the album, certainly um, not a super fan. And in fact, a lot of the bonus tracks I hadn't heard till we listened to the re-record the other night. So I'm not the best judge of like all of this, right? Like I'm not some kind of, you know, some of her eras of work I know a lot more about. about. So, you know, let's jump in and talk about the title track and the lead track, Fearless. So the first thing I noticed is there is something kind of annoying. Uh, there's like this on the guitar, there's like a distorted sort of feedback on the electric guitar opening riff that's different than than the original track. And that bugged me. I don't know. I didn't like it. It doesn't really matter, though, because I've never been really huge into this song. I don't know. Like the song Fearless has never stood out to me as like I never like had like it on it. repeat or anything. Do you? I think it's one of the better title tracks. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's a bad song, but like, you know, I've ne- I'm it's fine. Like I think I think what I'm gonna point out here is is the song so different that it's gonna be hard for me to only listen to Taylor's version. And that's not the case here because I know oh, it's yeah, no way. So I <laughs> that's kind of one of the critiques I'm going to hit on each song. Um, but the, what I do like about the song Fearless is the theme is that it is kind of about a date. Like it's about kind of maybe a first date, it seems like. But somehow the song is about more than that. It's really more about her reflecting on herself. You know, I don't know. Because it is I about that. like, I, like don't really, I haven't really done any kind of. It's fine. Like, you don't have to. On any of these songs really. I mean, except for the ones that are more popular that like I've heard a lot. But yeah, I mean, since we're going to take a chunk of time out to talk about the albums i have just gone through and if i have any thoughts maybe they're not interesting or they are but you don't have to feel like you need to yeah i didn't do what you did like you wrote out a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. um i just was like okay i'll listen (laughs) yeah uh you're here as ear candy for the listeners with your nice low voice but um the hidden message for fearless is i loved you before i met you and that's cute I guess I don't know. I don't really have much else to say about the song. It's I, there's a little bit of the the guitar that I didn't like, but it's not a big deal because I'm not gonna have the song on repeat anyway. So, fifteen. Uh, I love this song when it came out. Um, it's so sweet, you know. I love the idea of writing a song for your best friend that's like this vulnerable and open. I wrote a song about my best friend once. It was not as good as this song, but. I I always like this song a lot, but this is going to be one that's going to be hard for me to get used to because the energy of the original, I just like better. So when she's doing all this te- very technically good and proficient singing, she's losing a little bit on some of the tracks. And this is one of them of this energy she had before. So she's singing all smooth and legato, which is basically, you know, just smooth, like, keeping her air going from one word to the next. And like on the chorus, like in the original, she's always like, cause when you're 15 and I love like how she like punches the fifth and she's yeah. kind of taken that away. Like she's kind of losing some of that. And it's obviously technically better. Like it's a more universally like good sound to have that smooth singing, but I'm used to the, cause when you're, 15 and you know yeah my favorite lyric is time can heal most anything because i just think that's true 
And the hidden message is, I cried while recording this. And the muse, of course, we know is Abigail. And, like, I think her friends from, like, high school at that time, but mostly Abigail. And that brings us to another conversation, which the lyric video includes pictures of her and Abigail. Yes, it does. So the question is, when she does the 22 lyric video for the Red Re-Record. Oh, God. I know. Will we get a Swift Ground selfie that is unseen? We're going to get it on Everything Has Changed. That would be even beyond our wildest dreams, I think. No, it's going to happen. But I mean, I, th- I think as like one of the most exciting conversations we had the night we listened to this album was... Yeah, she kind of like has... Like, no, she didn't have to. She can do tour or pictures or whatever. But like, she's still friends with Selena, Ashley, and Claire. So like, it would be so weird if she only put pictures of them. <laughs> Now, my question is, perhaps she will post picture the pictures that she posted to Instagram so long ago of her and Diana at their birthday. Mm, so she's true. not giving us new content. I think she should give us new content. I think I, so I, Listen, Taylor, if you're listening, feed us. You I think we are. earned it. I think yeah, I think we it. have two. So, I mean, I am tentatively very hopeful I don't know that we need to hold our breaths because she could do the tour photos or something else. But the song's about Abigail. She put pictures of her and Abigail up. Will she acknowledge the 22 muses, including Diana, in the lyric videos? We can only hope. I think it I would mean, be very weird if she didn't. Change, so there's that. So when Red comes out, <laughs> she's going to be on everything to change lyric video. <laughs> we hope she gets the 22 as well. My question is, will Diana tweet? <laughs> no. Listening in the, no way. In the dress, when the red re-records come out, will Diana tweet about we are never ever getting back together and everything has changed as she did in no today? I no. think she ought to. She I think wouldn't. she should. It's it too obvious that she was like trying to get attention. Well. Because like she doesn't tweet unless it's about Shim Baby or like um important like things going on in the world. Causes. Yeah, that's the only thing she ever tweets. Wow. <laughs> so I, I don't think so. Um, She's still on Twitter, I would say maybe, but yeah. But this has always been one of my favorite songs on the album, and uh, I just love the whole vibe of like, let me just write like this love song, this platonic love song for my bestie. Like, I think we should all be doing that, honestly. And the hidden message is, I cried while recording this. Um, that's very sweet. Love story. So, of course, this is the iconic Taylor track. This is the track that put her on the map nationwide and worldwide. I do, listen, call me a basic bitch, but I love this song. It's actually very meaningful to me. It used to make me cry. Um, and, of course, it's many people's introduction to Taylor. So I bet we all have, like, a memory of first hearing the song and having, you know, thoughts about it. I was going to ask you if you had any specific memory of this of hearing the song the first time because it's kind of i thought it was annoying to be honest i was like not a fan the original i, I like the new one way better yeah yeah i didn't like the original very much it was overplayed on the radio all the time and i was always like oh my god this song again uh so yeah i like the re-recorded version better i think it is like fresh cool so on to the next track hey steven the re-record sounds really good. I don't have an issue with any of the new new vibe on it. Um, it is supposed to be about someone she was on tour with, I think. Oh, really? And, yeah, I think so. I, 
I didn't look this up. It's just off the top of my head, but I think it was about somebody, some guy she toured with and he said he was kind of surprised. Like he didn't know she felt that way. And I think, and, um, I have always loved the song. It's definitely one of my favorite on the album. And I love my favorite part is like where she borrows that the way you walk, the way you talk from books and Brooks and Dunn's ain't nothing about you, which she covered that song at like a tribute for them. I think you watched, mm-hmm. I sent it to you like early in our friendship Probably. In our friendship. And you liked it, even though you don't love country music. Cause it was good. It's a good song. It's a good cover. Um, it's a really cute song. I just always liked it. Next track up is white horse. Uh, the re-record is much smoother, but there's some instrumentals on the bridge that I think sound better, like more intense in the original. And also when she says someone who might actually treat me well, it's all angry and sassy on the original in a way that I just like ever so slightly prefer. But um, it's a good song. She changed the lyric from this ain't a fairy tale to this ain't our fairy tale at least as far as i can tell from like swifty blogs i don't know this might be debunked maybe she didn't change the lyric i but... think they're right i think i read something that said she went through it like line for line to like yes change more minor things so i guess that's why i don't think our sounds better though necessarily so i don't really know why she bothered changing that i don't think it does either i think she did it because this is kind of a little crack theory but i think she's like rededicated that song to scott for shut up Oh, maybe. Um, because, like, it reminds me of, you know, you're, you're, it's too late for you and your white horse when she says you're flying around the hero, you're the hero flying around trying to make everything better in My Tears Ricochet. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you and your white, that white knight on a white horse, is that's the same, like a hero. I kind of think, yeah. you know, she, I, I don't know. That's just my take. That's just my take. But, um, the hidden message is love is so blind you couldn't see me. And I do think this is supposed to be about Joe Jonas, I guess, who I'm coming out as a Joe Jonas truther because we've kind of gotten some tea lately that especially when all the teeny bopper girls, the Miley's and the Selena's and the Demi's and Taylor and all of that, when they were all young, they were set up in like PR romances. So I absolutely think Jailer 1.0, whatever you want to call it, was a setup. But I think they were all confused about their sexualities and their identities and like who they were dating or who they weren't. And so like, I'm a new friend in the industry. We call her Andy. Details of what she's shared are, are, are on the Patreon. Um, if you search Swift Run Nation on Patreon, you can listen in on some of the new sort of tea and like background she's been sharing about all this Taylor gossip. But long story short is a lot of the time, especially in those early days, some of those setups, like Joe Jonas, I think, and Taylor, I think, were like PR, but not PR. Like we got set up and we're kind of fake dating, but we actually do have crushes on each other and we are dating too like it's both right it's this confusing mix and i think joe is that for her and i think that's why she was so hung up on it for seemingly a long time but that's just me no i mean i think it's true i think she probably did like him right dated. i mean it's not like a beautiful love story but like i mean they probably were set up and they probably didn't get each other right it was not deep like it was just she seemed mad about it for long enough that like yeah it, there had to be something real there I would assume. I mean, maybe not. I mean, I guess you can do whatever, but yeah, I think they actually did date. Right. But Joe doesn't interfere with any important female muse and we don't care. It just doesn't matter. Like she was with him for three months. It does seem like something stupid and contrived went on, but something that she had some emotional investment into and who really cares? You know, it's so long ago. If we're wrong about that, whatever. But I have a quote from her. She gave an interview about this recently and she said, The song White Horse was a song I wrote with Liz Rose. 
And it was just about comparing the fairy tale imagery we are taught as kids, comparing it to what can really happen in young love and young heartbreak, and how you just expect a happily ever after type of thing. And then you don't find it, and you're faced with this reality of, oh, this isn't Hollywood, this is a small town. Those kinds of realizations that hit you. But I've always been so proud of this one. And every time I sing it, still I get so emotional. Because it's really that emotion that's just on the surface. Every time I hear the song, it's like, it's too late for you and your white horse to catch me now. It's like that coming of age where you realize you're stronger than wanting that happily ever after. You want something better for yourself. He wants something different, something more independent, something freer than even what you want even when you were told in fairy tales. Um, especially that, like, you want something better for yourself. It sounds like she might be invoking, like, I want to own my own masters. I don't know. I'm really on this. She changed the song to made about Scott and his white horse. I could be wrong. But I don't really have any personal connection to this song, except I think when this album came out, it was too sad for me to listen to. I was like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want to think about that. I want happy songs. Okay, You Belong With Me. So I love this song. On the re-record, to me, there's a missing country twang in the overall production. Uh, the musicality is slightly different, but I don't necessarily think it takes anything away um, from the song. Uh, I love the bridge of the song. It's my favorite part. And I used to text it, text that bridge just word for word to my best friend that I had a crush on at the time. The song is just like that friends to lovers AU that I love. My favorite lyric is I'm the one who makes you laugh when you know you're about to cry. And let's talk a little gayler for a minute. Falling in love with your best friend, I do think is in some cases almost a universal sort of woolawa or like gay experience. And I don't know that this song has any proper muse, but I don't know how like teenage girls chime in. How many of us are just like besties with guys nonstop, you know? No, I mean, I never had a guy bestie. No, nope. I, no, I didn't really either. Or they weren't my like close friends, right? And I just think it's, I think it's kind of a gay song. I don't, I don't have any specific woman I tie it to. And no, we're not going to tie it to Emily Poe. We're going to talk about her in a minute. Um, we're going to clarify our stance on Tamily here at the pod, but I don't think it's about her. And I don't know. I think she must have had some crush on. I think it could kind of be a fictional vibe, right? Yeah. Now, the guy who was in the music video, she dated for like half a second. I think they went on a couple dates, but I don't think it was very deep. And there's actually a funny moment where they there's like picture there's video of them being like, oh, you two have to kiss in the music video and are saying, wait, what we have to. I wasn't told about this and him like smiling. And it's mm. just kind of funny. Like, girl, didn't you date him? Like, why do you care? But right. It's not that deep. Like, you know, she might have just been surprised. But um, Lucas Till, I think is his name. Oh, yeah. She we have a quote from her. She said, You Belong With Me is a song that just absolutely changed my life. It was one of those songs that I had written about unrequited love and crushes at school. And I never would have imagined how many people I would see in a crowd one day screaming, she wears short skirts, I wear t-shirts. Or there would be think pieces about it, or the, and that would it would be a thing that launched me and my career into this place that I never imagined it would go. It was this song and love story that really, really changed my life in a huge way. And I've had so much fun with the fans singing this into crowds over the years. So getting to redo it was a really joyful experience because I kind of was looking back on all those memories and thinking, wow, I'm really lucky. And yeah, I mean, I just, I do love this song. It was, you know. It's such a bop. It's such a bop. And it's so, to me, it's so relatable. So fun. 
Uh, it's so fun. You know, it's just, it's just good fun. And the liner note is love is blind. So you couldn't see me, which is cute. And I don't know. Yeah. You, do you have any personal memories of this mega Taylor hit? I feel like there was some version of it where people like switch the words out and sang something else, but I feel like, I don't know. I don't have any memory, like specific memories now. There's no song on this album that I'm like, oh my God, it reminds me of this time in my life. Like not at all. Good to know. <laughs> Except for uh, Love Story being on the radio all the time. But mm, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Love, love you belong with me. Always a favorite of mine. Um, in terms of like early country Taylor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So breathe. Good one. It's a good song. Um, don't have any notes on the change in it sounds I never listened to Breathe Much. No, she turned up the volume on Colby's mic. You can kind of hear her now. That's the only note I have. She turned up the volume on Colby. <laughs> so my history with Breathe is essentially I was really excited to see Colby and Taylor collabing because I was like, Oh, I like Colby, I like Taylor. And the song of Colby's that I really liked was that little cute fallen for you boppy song, like the little that was like kind of her big hit and this song was nothing like that it was like you know it's kind of a slower sadder song and i was kind of like i just couldn't get into it just because i was expecting something different um so i never listened to it so the differences in this song aren't going to matter to me if there are any but i do know i did notice she turned colby up and like good for her maybe she was like you go from low to medium (laughs) on the mic So the muse for this song is, I think, maybe canonically Emily, but I think it is. at least according to the the VH1 pop up music video, uh, the pop up video that um, they did for a different Taylor song. But they talked about breathe as like a fun fact that like Taylor wrote this for her bandmate Emily Poe. Um, so let's. I have you know I've gotten some more information on Tamily, which anybody can go find. It is on the Be There in Five Patreon cost five dollars go check out that podcast be there in five honestly i mean it's a very popular podcast like you guys have probably already heard of it but um go pay the five dollars and listen to her tamley episode if you just search tamley and in her patreon it should come up but um long story short this girl is a podcaster you know and she talks about taylor a lot people who know things about taylor come to her from time to time and somebody who knew both Emily and Taylor and like proved it to her with like photos and all this stuff was like, absolutely nothing ever happened between them. And if you want to hear more details, please go check that out. It's on this, this um, woman's Patreon, be there in five podcasts, check it out. But it was convincing enough for me. And while I think it's possible Taylor had some kind of crush on her, I don't think anything was going on. And furthermore, the issue here is that like, not only are you accusing someone of having a relationship that they've never admitted to having, which, okay, gossip's gossip. Like, you know, if it's all in good fun, it's fair game if you sort of stay in your own lane and be respectful about it. But you can't do that with this because you can't accuse somebody of a crime, which it would have been because Emily was something like six years older than Taylor, maybe more. I think she might have been 23, 24 when Taylor was 16 because she finished college and maybe even grad school before going on tour with her. And that's just good, horrible. Like, we don't want that to have happened, obviously. And, you know, I think it's one thing to use Easter eggs and clues to, like, say, like, the, the fruity girl from Glee and Taylor had something going on just as consenting adults. But to, like, do whole master posts and whole proofs and, like, you know, put, like, Easter eggs together to try and make something that, you know, we have no 
hard proof of like taylor's never said anything happened this woman's never said anything happened like it's just it's not something i'm here for i'm a tamely auntie and also because there is like tea you can go here out there yeah that is really convincing yeah i mean it's just kind of weird that people seem to be so set on the tamely thing because like it's really just accusing a civilian of being a predator which is not okay when we don't have actually any evidence to back it up like the stuff that people use to like base it off of is pretty good it's pretty decent it's pretty convincing like to a degree but not enough that you can go around and be like oh yeah they dated and she's a predator right they obviously like, had some level. kind of special connection but yeah. which could have just been a credit crush could have just been best friends like who knows right but there's right. nothing that proves that anything happened so like just assuming that is really weird and like it, it, yeah it's just weird i don't know it's it's always made me uncomfortable that people are so open about talking about it as, as if it's just the same as any other relationship right and i mean i understand maybe you didn't know the age difference situation or maybe other people you know like i'm not like trying to shame anybody or gatekeep or police anybody but for us it's not for us and there is good tea out there i think debunking it that just sounded very legitimate and it all, all kind of added up and yeah i mean it kind of makes sense that this person would go to her because if you're because she does have a big podcast because she covers a lot of different topics it's not just taylor so you know if someone hears that and then they're like kind of going to be annoyed because that's their friend that's being accused of doing something that they never did (laughs) right so um there's plenty of good taylor dating women tea out there to be had on our patreon we've talked we're talking more explicitly about things we've heard now like there's you don't need Tamley to have Gaylor. And in fact, we don't want Tamley because it would have been like, uh, by definition, an abusive situation. So we don't want that. And yeah. luckily there is tea out there debunking it and you should go listen to it or just take our word for it if you don't want to. But um, that said, I don't think Breathe is a love song. I think it is a friend breakup song. And I do like it. You know, I like the chorus a lot. Mm-hmm. Um my favorite line is you're the only thing the only thing i know like the back of my hand and the liner note is i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry which is very tender and painful and um we have a quote from taylor she said the song breathe is a song about having to let go of someone in your life who you care about and you don't want to hurt but you've outgrown the friendship or the relationship and i wrote the idea for it and colby calais was in town who's just one of my favorite artists I absolutely love her music and I love her voice. And she was in town playing a show and I brought her this idea and she really liked it. And we wrote together. We sat there and wrote the song right before her show. I mean, it was the afternoon. She was about to play that night and she sang backup vocals on it that are just so haunting. And I'm so lucky because she agreed to do the same backup vocals on my version of Breathe. So it absolutely would have not been the same without her. I'm really, really grateful that she decided to return the project. Which I do think is adorable because I don't... Is Colby Calais like out there still heavily like making music? I don't know. I, no, you know, but I, I love that Taylor's like bringing people out of retirement and... Yeah, for real. So here's my question. Do we get Liz Hewitt on Speak Now and Red re-records? Because she's on some of those tracks. I don't think so. I think she's probably only going to bring people back who are, like, featured. Because Colby actually is listed, like, as a feature. True, 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 true. Yeah, I guess we'll have to see. Although, like, Caitlin, um, her fiddle player, came back and did vocals for Love Story. But it wasn't, like, a feature. But, like, she was, like, some of the old band is coming back. I don't know if Caitlin originally did them, but... I think it's possible. If they're still friends, which they seem like they probably are, 
Like, I mean, right. I don't know that they're close. I think Liz probably just tweets. Liz did go to Retro, bit. though. But yeah, I mean, I think they were like on good terms. Like, they're probably just not close anymore, but they're still friendly. So she might. Yeah, so. I hope we get some some Liz. I think she needs the work, honestly. So. <laughs> she, well, she did release songs and stuff lately. I'm just not really that interested in her. So, yeah. Other than to, de- like, I don't really have much else to say about Breathe because, you mm-hmm. know, it's the kind of the can- the canon Tamily song. So I wanted to have that conversation. But, yeah. Tell Me Why. Um, Tell Me Why is one of my favorites on the album. The That's re-record, good. I think, tra- yeah. The re-record, I think, transitioned really well. Uh, and I just love the confusing situation. How she's just, the what she's lamenting in this song is super relatable to me. And I love the line, I'm sick and tired of your reasons. I got no one to believe in. I don't know why. I just like it. Um, the hidden message is, guess I was fooled by your smile. I assume it's about Joe Jonas. I don't really know for sure. Don't really care that much. But yeah. Tell me why one of my favorites on the album. Um, You're Not Sorry. Another one of my favorites off this album. I actually adore the CSI remix. I don't know who out there knows this or not, but Taylor was on an episode of CSI. And she's actually not bad at it. Yeah, you can find it on YouTube and watch her little couple little scenes. I think I think she's always wanted to be like a triple threat, do it all. Like, you know, I think her acting aspirations, you know, have always kind of been there in the background too, a bit. Like not super heavy, but she's always been open to it, obviously. But you can watch her little scenes. She's not bad. Like she's fine. Like and they did a remix of this song and put it on the episode. And it is like, I fucking love it. Like, it's, I really love that, the, that remix. Um, I love the concept of the song of just being like, somebody being like, oh, I'm sorry. And you're just being like, no, you're not. And just like calling that somebody's apology bullshit. Because sometimes you just know somebody apologizes and they do not mean it. Like, and I think for everyone who like says Taylor blames the other woman when she gets cheated on too much. Uh, this song seems to be about someone who cheated on her um, because the hidden message is she can have you. Of course, it could just be about a guy and now that guy's with a new she. But um, she does say my favorite line of the song is when she says, um, you got your share of secrets and I'm tired of being last to know. Uh, and that whole little stanza, there's a whole little part where I just love this whole song, honestly. It's kind of hard to pick a favorite part, but um, I do think it must be about somebody who's kind of not forthcoming about extracurriculars, maybe, and um, I don't know if that's the Joe Jonas storyline or not, so I don't know if this is about him or not, but love this song, and I think the re-record is good. I didn't really, wasn't like, oh, it doesn't sound, you know, like I want it to, so. Forever and Always. Yeah, it's such a good one. I like this song a lot. I love the pop rock vibe that she gets close to, you know, that I think in Speak Now she explores properly with, you know... Um, Is that the one where she throws couches off the stage and she performs it live? Yeah, I think so. I love that. <laughs> were you just kidding? Um, yeah, it's so good. I, will, I do think the, predict- the production on the original song sounds a bit less hollow. But I'm, you know, it's fine. That's just, that's what stood out to me. But I think this, I'll happily get used to this version. The, it rains in your bedroom, everything is wrong vibe. I love, 
I always related that actually to one of my best friends in high school. And she, it's not in a romantic way at all. Like I didn't crush on her really, but like she always complained about everything. And I'd be like, yeah, it rains in your, like everything's wrong all the time. You know, it rains when you're here, it rains when you're here. Like I always, cause now I think like Taylor might've been talking about herself. Like it's raining all the time cause you're stressing me out. You're making my life rainy. But like, I always related it as like, quit complaining about everything like oh it just rains everywhere you go like shut up yeah so i really related that to like a personal situation i had but with a friend not a romantic partner or you know any of that the hidden message was if you play game if you play these games we're both going to lose i don't know good song okay the best day i've never like musically had any real attachment to this song like i don't like rage she's just flexing about her stable childhood no one can relate (laughs) Uh, yeah um we do have some mommy issues i do to like so i don't know that it's super relatable but i do love that it's so sweet i love how much i love the you know andrea and taylor's whole thing you know it's very cute and uh, Mm -hmm. you have to imagine the the emotional vibes of her mom's like dealing with you know, illnesses and stuff. And she had to go and re-record this. So I'm sure that was, you know, very overwhelming. And the, of course, the muse is Andrea. The hidden message is God bless Andrea Swift. And um, she had pictures of Andrea. So like, you know, 22, are we getting canon? Are we getting 22? I think we deserve it. I mean, that's just me, but Mm -hmm. I think we do. Next song up, Change. That's a good song. I really like this song. Um, re-recorded, I, I thought it sounded just as good. Um, change, uh, you know, people ask, like, when did you first ever think Taylor was gay? And, like, officially, it's when I first heard How You Get the Girl. But my first actual gayler instance was somebody telling me they thought Taylor wrote this song about gay marriage or marriage equality rights. Mm-hmm. And if you listen to it in that blends, yes, it sounds very gay. Um Personally, I used to relate this to what it would be like when and if Auburn won the national championship in football. And then we did. And it made me, to listen to the song after that, for a long time, it made me very emotional. I'm not really, I've been kind of checked out of football for the last couple of seasons, just had other things going on in my life. But like, that was the first fandom I was ever in. Yeah, that was how I personally related to the song. Now, I think it's probably actually about got that's the idea i think out there and the liner note is you made things change for me which is just like ooh, like hopefully she does relate it to gay marriage now maybe but yeah i always like this song it got a lot of play especially when i was in my auburn like thinking about that and having emotions about that so now we're getting to the the deluxe edition or the platinum edition or whatever um jump then fall I like that one. Yeah, the first time, basically, I think the first time I ever heard it was the other night. Um, yeah. It is a cute song, but of course, I don't have any strong emotional attachment to it because it is a, it is just not one I had heard much. I think I, I probably bought the Fearless on my iPod, the original, just the plain, so I didn't have the platinum. Um, the Hidden Messages last summer was magical. I don't know who it's supposed to be about. But it's it Probably was cute. back from high school or something. Maybe she did meet Joe Jonas in June, I think. But 
I don't think every song is supposed to be about Joe Jonas, though. I'm not saying it is or not. I don't know who this song's about. I just... The summer is the clue. She could have met anybody in any summer. Untouchable. When I first heard the music, I was like, this sounds like a weird mix of White Horse and Speak Now. I hadn't heard it much before the other night. I liked the lyric, A Distant Diamond Sky. And this is where you start to kind of see, like, there's a reason you have a core album and a deluxe album. And sometimes she puts the wrong tracks on the wrong ones. But, like, it's a lot of songs that start sounding real similar when you start to get up to this point. I just started to feel that when I listened to this song. Um, but that's fine, because this is the platinum version. And I'm not, you know, that's just, like, an experience I had. That's the note that I came away with, which is, like, you know. And as far as the re-records go, it's not like she's, like, submitting them for any awards or anything. So she can put 50 songs on them it's fine i'm not gonna you know but the hidden message is we always want what we can't reach so taylor's always pining for things and this is one of those songs i don't know don't have much else to say other than that the forever and always piano version i guess she just really liked forever and always yeah i don't know that we needed it on like an album officially like just put out the piano version or do a version on taylor can do whatever she wants you know but I, I guess she just really liked the song. It is very pretty. I love a stripped down, like piano acoustic kind of situation. Um, Same. It's, I think it's kind of interesting. Is it maybe the one song of Taylor's that got two liner note hidden messages? I don't know. But I think it's interesting that she did that. And the, the hidden message for this one is still miss who I thought he was. And again, I don't know about the other songs. I do think like in at least Swifty canon, this song is supposed to be about Joe Jonas. And, like, she's giving him two liner notes on one song. Like, girl, whatever's going on there. But that just makes it even cuter that they are friends now, right? Mm-hmm. Coming with the rain. Don't have much to say about this one. I like the title. I don't even remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we're bad Swifties, but it was kind of forgettable to me. The mm-hmm. hidden message on Coming with the Rain was, I won't admit that I'd wish you'd come back. So... That's relatable in some ways, right? But Superstar. Um, first thing that jumps out to me about this song is there's some gayness going on. Maybe that's just because it's Taylor writing it, but the this is wrong, but I can't help but feel like there ain't nothing more right, baby. And also the line, and I know from the first note played, I'd be breaking all my rules to see you and your smile. That beautiful smile is kind of gay. The hidden message. Little fruity. I'll never tell is kind of gay, but I wonder if this is yeah, about the same person Sparks Fly is about, which is supposed to, I think some guy singer she toured with or she played the same location as or whatever, because it is seemed to be about the superstar musician that all the girls want to be with. And she's in love with him or her. I don't know. Cause it is kind of fruity, but Sparks Fly is like, you know, about that, about some guy that she met, I think um, and she reworked it, but originally, the guy with brown eyes, because it used to be brown eyes and Sparks Fly, but it's kind of the same vibe. Um, well, it's actually not because Sparks Fly is like somebody she ends up with, and this is about, you know. But it's like yeah, that. It's I fall in love in a crowded bar about bar. some country music star named Jake Owen, who she opened for in two thousand six. Sparks Fly or Superstar? Superstar. Sparks Fly is supposedly Jake Owen too, like you know, according uh, to some. Okay. 
she said it's yeah, not falling yeah. to someone you maybe shouldn't fall for. That's the spark. I mean, line. it's just speculation. Like, it doesn't say that she's ever, like, said anything to confirm it, no. I don't think. But, yeah. I know I know some Jake Owen. I know some Jake Owen songs. But, yeah, I think that might be our muse here. But who knows? Leave it to Taylor to make, you know, something about Jake Owen, this butch man country guy, like, so gay sounding. But uh, the other side of the door. Again. Well, that's a good one. As far as the bonus tracks go. Yeah, I like that one. It didn't do too much for me. What'd you like about it? I don't know. <laughs> I just like it. Fair enough. Fair enough. The hidden message is what I was really thinking when I slammed the door. Now, I will say the story of the other side of the door is the same as story as the last time, I think. And mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show that, you know, Taylor recycles themes and she gets obsessed with, like, motifs. The kissing in the rain and all of that, you know, it's this is another motif she really seems to love. I don't think they're about the same person or anything, but uh, today was a fairy tale. I love that one. It's so For cute. some reason, today was a fairy tale is one of my favorite Taylor songs. Like it's, I Good. think it might, it might end up in my top two. I haven't done like a thing, but it is a top song for me, like not top 10, but it's up there for me. Personally, I would play it after dates. And sometimes I even wore dark, this dark gray t-shirt that I had, like a v-neck, like a fancy t-shirt on first dates, just because of this song, because it says you wore a dark gray t-shirt in the song. It's so cute. I love it. Oh my gosh, loser. <laughs> I didn't like tell a girl, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm wearing a dark gray t-shirt after the song. It's just like a good luck thing. That's funny. I was just young and believed in love at the time. Things are different now. The re-record sounds fine, but I like the original better sadly, is a bit different, but not in a bad way that I can't get used to. I do miss the vocals on the old one. I like, my favorite line is, nothing made sense till the time I saw your face. Today was a fairy tale. And it kind of reminds me of Daylight, when she's like, you know, I don't want to look at anything else now that I saw you. All I can say is that if she does anything better than Revenge, I will be streaming the original. If she does, there's some songs, there are some songs, we just have to wait and see. There's nothing on this that's like, sinful like there's nothing on this i think i'll, I'll no, have I don't to cheat much on anyway. right so. I, won't, I won't have to cheat on any of taylor's versions I no love me either. i do kind of miss there at all no i like the new one way better well that's valid too um i don't know there's no liner note because it was like a unreleased song so i'm so glad she's it's it's properly on an album now i'm ex- really excited she did that good choice taylor and i don't know who it might be about you guys, I mean, she used to say that they were just like fancy most of them off of books and movies right. and stuff. So it doesn't have right. to be about someone, right? But I mean, some of them are and some of them aren't. So if you guys have an idea for the muse of today was a fairy tale, let me know. I want to hear about it. You all over me. Oh, that's my favorite bonus track. When it came out, everyone was like, "eh," and I was like, "What? That's fun. That is so good." I have a note. I love this song. It's an amazing song. I cannot blame her at all for starting out uh, the vault songs with this one. I've read somewhere that there's a, there's a, she might have written it when she was 14. That's disgusting. Which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> I, I really like the song, like the music, like the lyrics, like the message, like all of that. My favorite line is I lived, I learned, had you got burned. Uh, and to me, it's really good proof that Taylor repeats themes and themes again and again and again and again. And again. Again and again and again and again. And it doesn't mean they're related or about the same person. And I mm-hmm. think 
as particularly as Gaylers, since like we have to kind of live and die by lyric analysis sometimes because we don't have any other content, you know, necessarily. Yeah. We don't have canon relationships to like point us at things. <laughs> I think we have to get over lyric parallels. If a timeline like supports it, great, but like clean and in-game have this whole you all over me situation going on and all three of these songs are have to be about different people so taylor has given some quotes about this song so i'm going to read them the song you all over me is one that i wrote with a writer who goes by the name scooter caruso his name is travis i don't know i don't know any so more than i do his name is Travis Hill. This was one of the songs where I remember us painstakingly going over the lyrics and trying to come up with these different symbolic imagery references to how it could feel after you had your heart broken. Just to feel like you've been ruined by the whole thing. And I think that's one of the hardest things about heartbreak is feeling like it's damaged you and now you carry that damage with you. So I was really proud of this song back then. I'm still proud of it now. And I think it actually makes more sense to have a 31-year-old person be singing it. So all's well that ends well. And I was really excited because Maren Morris was gracious enough to sing backup vocals on it. And she's one of my favorite artists. So here it is. Um, Mr. Perfectly Fine. A bop. Uh, yeah. I have the note. It's not not a bop as Sophie Turner, whatever her name is, said. Oh, yeah. That was funny. I, you know, I like the song a lot uh it's it's cute it's fun i i think the two vault songs she picked to release is i don't know if they're singles or i don't know the technical term for it but you know the two vault songs she like put out before the album came out are both really good choices i think they're the two best vault songs except for today's a fairy tale but people had already heard that widely circulated you know i love that we're just she's gonna drag joe jonas in 2021 especially after she had that moment where she went on to ellen and was like kind of like that was one of the most immature things i did was like coming on your show and dragging joe jonas and now she's just doing it all over again you know it's all in good fun though it also just goes to show these these relationships be them real or fake they're the gifts that keep on giving in terms of pr oh my god right you, i don't like, see anything like it right you know it's crazy when was the last time joe jonas was relevant never right right i mean not never <laughs> a long time it's been a long time and you know everybody's talking about him and it just goes to show you you tie your name to taylor swiss you know you, it's just never gonna stop giving you promo and unless you're john mayer i think that works out right so um or jake gyllenhaal to an extent my favorite lyric is it takes everything in me just to get up each day but it's wonderful to see that you're okay which is just i love this the self-pitying Sometimes you just have to <laughs> indulge yourself, right? Sometimes yeah, you just yeah. have to, you know, just... And, you know, Taylor's certainly one to do that, right? So, um, Oh, for sure. It also, you know, it's just... I, that's for the first time this week, I saw some video of Taylor, like, had a Joe Jonas Barbie doll and was, like, talking to a girl Barbie doll being, like, stay away from him or something. Like, oh, you've never seen that? No, I've never that seen that. So iconic. That was right. a huge thing back in, like, when was that? 2009, 2008? Oh, my God, I remember. It blew up on YouTube. Oh, it was so funny. Yeah. Um, and I just have the note that Taylor's an attention whore. And this song <laughs> yeah. really reminds you of it. But I do quite like this song, and it's, I'll listen to it some more, I'm sure. It'll probably make a playlist. She gave a quote on the song. She said, Mr. Perfectly Fine is a song I wrote alone, and it was definitely an early indicator of me sort of creeping towards a pop sensibility. 
you know, I've always listened to every type of music, even though Fearless is a country album, there were always these pop melodies creeping in. I really love this song and I love the bridge. I think the lyrics are just wonderfully scathing and full of the teen angst that you would hope to hear on an album that I wrote when I was 17 or 18 or on that cusp. Um, and there's a lot of people saying they can't be about Joe Jonas because she dated him when she was 19, but she didn't. She was 18. So, like, let's not be conspiracy theorists about it. Uh, well, there's the Swifties who say that they're not all about Joe Jonas, too. I'm not saying they all are, but some of them oh, are. Okay. And I think so you're, a jo- you're a jailer, like, Stan, a bit. I just, he's the only person <laughs> besides, like, maybe Lucas Till and that Jake Owen. And I'm just trying well, to. Well, I think she said a lot of them were just, like, fictional, too. Up. Like, love stories, obviously, also, very fictional. Probably high school shit right yeah i mean i think some of these might be about britney mac i don't know like uh we were happy i liked it oh that's a good one yeah i did i I liked it um don't have a ton to say other than that but you threw your arms around my neck is kind of a gay thing to say because like what guys are throwing arms around girls necks like usually guys put their arms on girls waist and girls throw their arms around the neck and it just sounds like you know yeah also talking about your daddy's farm is a gay thing to do and what's funny is maybe a few weeks ago maybe a month ago i did like saying daddy a- is a gay thing <laughs> i did make a call for ta- to have taylor say daddy in a song and then everybody like was replying and like daddy said stay away from juliet like apparently she said it a bunch of times and i'm like but guys i did not mean it like that so again you know we're getting another daddy tease but it's not She's not using it. We need the full-blown daddy. I want Taylor Swift to call Joe Allen daddy in a song. Remember last night, we were like, when she re-records a dress, she's going to actually move. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that Same was... Thing. Karen and I were listening to dress and over voice chat. We were listening to different music. And I got real. I got inspired to just start, like, fully moaning during the ah-ah-ahs part. She's and I think when she records it, everybody manifests like full sex noises. <laughs> like just I mean, so funny. Just, I would stream the original, but like <laughs> just like uh, full like squealing moans of pleasure. Like I want the full <laughs> like I want to hear like yeah. mac and cheese sex noises in the background. Oh like, yes, exactly. <laughs> imagine if she did it. We'll come. Well, also, you know. With, oh yeah. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I say like, with we were happy not to like bring it back to that. Um, the no one could touch the way we laughed in the dark is pretty gay too. Oh yeah, good catch. Why are you in the dark? No, I'm just kidding. But like, it's a little bit on the fruity side. I think I think <laughs> that, that might there's there might be a secret girl here. Um, who's throwing yeah, her arms maybe. around Taylor's neck? I think it might be like one of the high school girls, if there were any. I don't know. That's when. Uh, features Keith Urban. I think it's kind of interesting she featured his voice, but I guess, of course, that would be the best thing to, that is, like, the best thing for him to be featured on, because nobody cares. But, like, I don't think he has the best voice. I think, but what he is is a string prodigy. Like, he plays all stringed instruments, I think. I, could, I might be pulling this out of my ass. I didn't check, I didn't look this up, but I did go through a Keith Urban phase in high school. And his song, Nobody Drinks Alone, is one of my favorites. Uh, so, just side note on Keith Urban. Uh, I didn't really like this song. Like, it's fine, but I, you know, I could have lived with that. I, it's fine. She should put, Taylor, put out every song you ever want to put out because they're your versions, they're your vault track, you do it, whatever, but like, you know, uh, it's fine. Like, um, I, I love that we have Nicole Kidman being a Swifty now, just publicly. That's yes. fun and cute. I like, I really like Nicole Kidman, so 
that's just fun. Now the thing for the thing that's interesting about this song that Gaylers are pointing out is she changed the point of view. So at first it said like, I said, I know he said, I need some time, need some space. Like I, he, this, I, that he, this, she changed it to you said, I know when I said I need some time, some space. So now she's kind of from the original song, she's sort of singing the male perspective. So of course all our, you know, we're all kind of like, but um, as Gaylers, but I kind of wonder if she changes the point of view to make it a little, because she, she features a male artist. So I don't know if she wanted to kind of change that dynamic just because there's another voice and a male voice on it to not make it seem like any, I don't, I don't really know, but it's just something people are pointing out. Maybe it's just a Gaylor thing. Maybe it's just some other reason, but yeah. Um, don't have much else to say other than that. Don't you? I have the note that it's fine, but nothing I'm writing home about. It is relatable, but Taylor's almost always relatable. And the last track, Bye Bye Baby. The only thing I wrote down is that it's proof that Taylor does not have a baby right now. That the Kaler baby is <laughs> No, baby was the 13th word scramble <sighs> on that advertisement for Fearless. So clearly it means that she's claiming her child. Yeah, um, there's that interpretation as well so um in summation uh taylor we're so proud you know we're we're very happy for you um and hope you guys if let me know if you guys like this format or this episode was just a nightmare for y'all and we because we've got what how many more of these to do six five more of these to do other ones would be way better because Fearless well, is my least favorite album. So, like, yeah. I don't have that many thoughts on them. Because I'm just like, yeah, sure. I like that song. I don't really right. listen to the original enough to be like, this is a major difference. So, and I don't have any nostalgia tied to it or anything like that. But, like, the other albums I like a lot more. Because I became more of a fan of her during Speak Now. And then, like, way more during 1989. And then, officially during <laughs> Yeah. I-, I hope this was an enjoyable format for you guys. And, you know, Kara will have more to say on other albums. You just have to put up with me on this episode. But, um, you know, if there's anything we missed, obviously come let us know at the blog. For now, you can follow me at swiftcron-get-married.tumblr.com. And you can follow Kara at that skeptical bitch Kara.tumblr.com. Uh, um, we might be rebranding though, so stay tuned. But if we do, we'll have links and we'll redirect all of you. And there'll probably be even a note at the end of this podcast that says, just kidding, we've changed, we've moved. But for now, that's where you can come find me. If we miss anything, come let me know. You can send me an anon, you send me a message, you can get in touch however you want. You can also reach me on email at fandomfriendspodcast at gmail.com if you have something you want to email me to talk, to, talk about. Everybody, stay safe in 2021. Please get vaccinated in 2021. And gatekeep, girl boss, and gaslight in 2022. Exactly. Bye, everybody.